Welcome to this week's edition of Debriefing the Law. I am Joel Oster. I'm Chris Marone. Hey, Chris. Last week, we uh, touched on a very controversial topic. So I want to jump right in and just dig into the controversy a little bit more. As I learned that there are some communists out there amongst us who don't like crispy pancakes. Oh, did you know that? They're out I, there. They're, they're, we're going to school with these people. I fear for our children's future. I know. I, I can't deal with this. I'm looking at you, Amy. Uh, so Amy Ooh. said we can no longer be friends because she cannot stand crispy pancakes. She likes them fluffy. I'm like, well, my pancakes are fluffy and crispy. We got them both together. I just feel like you've done pancakes wrong your entire life then because you can have crispy and fluffy. That's there again. Two things that can be true and are not mutually exclusive. You could have crispy and fluffy pancakes. Ben Shapiro is smiling at you right now. I got to tell you that. Uh, and so I got a life hack for this week. Uh, it, it, to piggyback on what we talked about last week, mm -hmm. and, and that is this. Uh, leftover pancakes. What do you do with your leftover pancakes? Well, uh, my son accidentally, I don't know if, he, if, he, if it was an accident or if he intentionally did this, but he put them in an air fryer and it got them crispy again. And I tried that this morning and it was just incredible. I mean, the entire pancake now was both crispy and fluffy and I was on the cloud nine. I, I just, I, I don't understand what, what's a leftover pancake? <laughs> what do not eat all your pancakes? Dude. Are you, are you blink twice if you're okay? Like, <laughs> I don't like. How do you have leftover pancakes? Here's here's the problem. I get what you're saying with that whole idea right. of leftover pancakes, but you gotta you gotta understand. I used to have a household of two boys that like to eat as much as I do. Right. I have now lost those um, two boys because one of them still lives in my house, but he really kind of comes down sometimes, sometimes doesn't. He does okay. his own thing when he goes off to work. So basically, I used to make for four, in which three of us were decent eating people and now it's just wendy and to be fair she does not hold up her end of the bargain when it comes to eating her fair share uh and so it's just me um i i love the fact that wendy doesn't eat her fair share that's a that's a fair assessment and happy birthday wendy that's right that's right it was her birthday which kind of leads me into my next life hack and this is not really a life hack this is more of a of a caution and in fact I'm going to, if I can, put some pictures on our our show notes here. Okay. If not, I'll put them on our Facebook page of what I experienced yesterday. Chris, I know you are married. And let's say mm -hmm. um, it's the day of. So it's the birthday. Okay. Whatever. Love it. it could be the anniversary. It could be Valentine's Day. Whatever. Any of the days. If you buy your gift and your card day of, oh, is that okay? Or is that too late? I mean, clearly... The day after is too late, but right. I don't know why the day of is too late. Well, it depends. My wife likes like specialty handmade sort of stuff. So okay. if I wait to the day of, I can't get anything from Etsy. See, that's or, different. Or now whatever. you're late. But I'm saying if you bought right. it the day of, how is that late? Well, um, man logic, boy math, boy math. That's a popular thing right now. Boy math. It would not be late, but okay, I'm going good. to assume that under the confines of this conversation, taking context clues as they come, it was late for you, Joel. 
Well, there was danger involved, and this is why sometimes when you wait until the last minute, it, it could be perceived as being late because you left things up to chance and, and up right. to fate. And sure enough, I went to not one, but two. If I put them, I'm going to put the pictures there on our on our show notes here. Yeah. Um, what I experienced at the card section. Have you bought a card recently? No. Okay. Luckily, no. see, I just go straight to the flowers. I just I, I give the flowers. I don't do the 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 card one because I think cards are like stupid expensive now. Cards They're are like nine stupid bucks. Stupid expensive. Right. Stupid expensive now. So luckily my wife is practical in the fact that she doesn't need a nine dollar card, but she does need a fifteen to twenty to thirty to a hundred dollar bouquet of flowers, Whoa. which I can do easily. I'd like to give a shout out to Trader Joe's. Their flower sections on point. There you go. Well, uh, there's another life hack for you. Uh, for me, you don't need to buy me any cards for anything. No. In fact, if you buy me a card for my birthday, for anniversary, Valentine's Day, whatever, is there's a good chance I'm not going to know where it is the next day. I mean, right. it's just that, that that's reality. But if you bought me a George Brett baseball card oh, or sure. a Michael Jordan basketball card, I will know where that is for the rest of my right. life. So let's buy sports cards to, at least for me, and mm -hmm. I will never lose that sports card. But that being said, what I experienced yesterday when I went to, first of all, went to Walmart, and yes, I buy my cars at Walmart, and then Whatever. I went to a grocery store. I believe it was Price Chopper. Both of them, the card shelves were vacant it is this someone came in before me bought out every single card now not every single card windy. every single card for her or just birthday card in general the guy section was still full i have no idea what that means but not one but two different places i went to not a single blessed card on the shelves i was really thinking about what if i bought a I don't know, a happy graduation card and just say, hey, look, this is the best that I could do. I mean, at this point in your marriage, Wendy's got to know your sense of humor <laughs> and know that you wait to the last moment to do everything. So I think she'd be okay with it. But gentlemen, if this is your first or second birthday with your, your chosen partner, take it from us. Buy the card early. There you go. Yeah, if you wait until the last minute, it could be right. too late. And so after the the ten or fifteen years or thirty years of marriage, not naming names, who's been married for thirty plus years around here, but uh, after that many years of marriage, you might be able to squeak by with a happy graduation and graduation crossed out and saying anniversary or birthday. But if yeah, it's jump right in with those life hacks i forgot That's to right. give uh pay, pay our bills if you will and so oh, hey, this yes. podcast is brought to you by comedian of law we do tle's continuing legal education that edu classes that educate and entertain you don't have to fall asleep you don't have to bring your favorite my pillow which of course i know you have several my pillows uh to your cle class you can actually stay awake and learn uh, during the process mm, my pillow Hey, I've never actually had a MyPillow. I was actually thinking that's not a bad gift idea to, to buy these different things out there that are supposedly expert or, or the, the top of the line in that area. MyPillow, I've never tried MyPillow, so I, I just use that as a joke. But, you know, maybe I should look at, I saw another ad for pillowcases. Maybe I should be buying these things that are supposedly the, the best at whatever that item is and just store those away for future gifts. I mean, right. You could probably pull them out of insolvency with the amount of, you know, buying one or two my pillows at this point. Hey, just saying. If I can get a discount, I'm all about the discount. There you go. Hey, go go. 
first topic of the week, I want to jump right in. My, my boy, Mike Johnson, has been in the news this last week. And I, got, I, have to, I have to bring it up. Vanity Fair reported. This is the headline, Chris. What's up with Mike Johnson's very shady seeming financial disclosures? I love this because they don't mm -hmm. know who Mike Johnson is. And they nope. thought they had. This was a gotcha moment. Oh, we got the new Speaker of the House. He has not filed financial disclosures ever this guy is fraudulent. What is he hiding? Well, do you know what he was hiding, Chris? Nothing. <laughs> it's a normal Joe uh, who lives paycheck to paycheck. Do you know who else lives paycheck to paycheck? The rest of the population. All right. The rest I, of the world. I would also like to point out, look, and we had this conversation last week. I'm no Mike Johnson fan. Um, I don't think Vanity Fair is the political hit piece that it, that, that it thinks it is. Like... I did. So I saw that Vanity Fair article about his shady financial, you know, Mike doesn't have a bank account. He lives paycheck to paycheck. It's true. That's odd, right? That's odd that a member that's of Congress. Not was, that's not odd. That's 99% of on. the world. But not of the U.S. Congress. Oh, not of those who are being bought out. See, that is the right. point I right, want right, to make. Right. Right. And I'm down with that. I look, look, Joel, give the devil where the, his credit is due. Like, you're right. 99% of the world, you, me, everybody else, we live paycheck to paycheck. Grateful today was payday. Um, but most members of Congress, it is an odd story that most members of Congress live paycheck to paycheck. It, it is incredibly weird <clears throat> that in this day and age. So I, as Vanity Fair is trying to do this like hit piece, and they're like, Mike Johnson is a freak of nature. Like, Vanity Fair, can you stick to what you're good at? Like, uh, could could you stay in your lane? Because I'm not getting my... I will not be trusting Vanity Fair to teach me or to inform me about the political, like, landscape of 2023-45. I'm just... I'm not there with it. Well, for the record, they, um, a lot of politicians who are lifetime politicians who have made their entire money in, in vast wealth... By being a politician, yeah, they have multiple, multiple homes, yeah. yachts, whatever, the multimillionaires, mm -hmm. which is a head scratcher. How did you make all this money when your entire life has been in public service? Well, we're going to watch Mike Johnson. I assume his, his net worth will go up. He'll get speaking yeah. opportunities and gigs, but I'm telling you, yeah, that, that was, a, that was a lot of fun oh, to yeah. me because I realized he is just a Joe six pack kind of guy. Liz paycheck to paycheck. He has no financial records, business accounts with interest bearing accounts to report. That's why he didn't report it. Thank you for, for highlighting the fact that he is a normal Joe. I also think that um, he's smart to keep separate property. Look, Mike's a lawyer. He gets it right. His wife's separate property, her consulting business, her, her counseling business and all that stuff, all of that separate property outside the scope of a congressional disclosure. So, this is the 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 picture is is that he is using the congressional forms the way that they're supposed to be used, and he's being honest on them. If he has no bank accounts, he has no. I I don't think Mike Johnson is the type of guy, especially with how he has presented himself, that he's going to apologize for who he is. He is he is who he is. Oh he, he, yeah, he, I, I agree. He is he's he very is. polite though, so he probably would apologize. But I really don't know what I'm apologizing for. But right, hey, right, I'm right. from the south, but, and so so we apologize. He's not, right, he's not going to be like a George Santos that hides all of his money everywhere. No, right, no. Mike is going to Speaker Johnson. I'll I'll do that. Speaker Johnson is going to 
um, face whatever allegations and whatever uh, stories or whatever head on. And I appreciate that from him because I'm going to be the guy that's going to beat him up over it. So, And it also came out, by the way, so it also came out, then where is he sleeping? A lot of these Congress people have multiple houses. Oh my gosh, yes. So where is he sleeping? Is he in a flop house? Chris, he's sleeping in his office. <laughs> They're like, oh. like, we don't know where he is, but it, it, apparently he just sleeps in his office. And because he has now security detail, they kind of know that because the security yeah. is standing outside it's of his out. office all night long. It's like, okay, well, that's probably where he is sleeping then. So isn't it weird? We have a White House for the president. He obviously is number one. Number two, the vice president. We also have a special place for the vice yeah. president. The third in line has nothing. He has a couch mm -hmm. that he sleeps in, an office couch where he gets to sleep. You know, so when I was working in Washington, we called them flop houses. Uh, Mike Garaval, who was a um congress member from alaska for many 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 years when he first got to washington he bought uh, a townhouse just outside of georgetown and it was a four bedroom three bath townhouse and roughly like 13 congress members lived with him in that house and he just essentially put bunk beds in there for these guys that come from like and honestly for guys or from guys for congress members who come from districts that are maybe not as affluent as San Francisco or New York or Miami or Chicago, they don't have a ton of money like Mike. And so they would rent a bunk from Mike Garaval in his flop house in, in, in Georgetown for them to sleep at when they're in session, because look, $174,000 is a lot of money. It is an absolute lot of money for a lot of people, but it is not a lot of money for living in Washington, DC and maintaining a home back in your district. Right, and I would even stop there. It's not a lot of money for living in D.C. And DC, you yeah. add in, he has to have two different places that he, right. that he has to live. Right, and it's not like, and for someone, most Congress members' spouses are helping raise children because you're, as a Congress member, you're off doing things all the time. So it's it, it's a, it, and I don't want to justify saying like, oh, you couldn't do it for 174000 You just have to sleep in your office. Or you rent a rent a bunk bed, or you do something because you're not gonna maintain two like beautiful homes, two two homes period, in the D.C. area and wherever it is back in your district. It's just not there unless you're there independently you wealthy. All right, so uh, it will be interesting to watch his financial disclosures from here on out, assuming he is going yep. to make more money and get more opportunities, uh, and see how that that changes. Well, All and right. he's gonna be under the spotlight more, so we're gonna examine his financials more. That's just at the end of the day, like you're now a lightning rod. You're number three in the 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 line of succession. We're going to be paying a lot more attention to you, Mike. It also came out, speaking of paying attention to Mike, it came out this week that he adopted way back when a black teenage boy named Michael. He adopted him about 20, this report said to 24 years ago and raised him as their son. And then questions came up. Well, then how come he hasn't appeared in any of your PR photos and things like that of your family. And uh, they thought, oh, this is another gotcha moment. Well, it mm -hmm. turns out that when he entered the public life, what, six years ago when he first ran for Congress, mm -hmm. uh, they asked him, do you want to be a part of these, the, the, of uh, the, the PR and he did uh, this pu new public life? And he says, no, I don't want to do yeah, that. Yeah. Just kind of keep me out of it because I don't want that kind of pressure, limelight, and focus. And so now that person is now michael has now come forward and, and and has told his side of the story it's a very heartwarming story this is an example of someone 
who is not a football player. He didn't do this to get him into his alma mater to play left guard, uh, as was the case Mm. with Michael Orr. You see, Chris, how I did that transition? That was a killer transition. Man. Love that. Look at you, Joel. Like that was the like Muhammad Ali transitions. I want Brown. You nice right job, there, man. Yes. Yeah, so nice there is job. a Michael. I had a Michael or update. I have, to have some kind of transition to the Michael or update. Why not just Love focus it. on how Mike just did a really good thing, a loving thing 24 years ago and did not seek attention for it. He just did it because that's kind of great guy that he is. All right. On to the Michael or update. So he came out this week. I assume you know what's going on here. Michael Orr mm-hmm. is the the subject of the Blind Side movie. He was a left yep. tackle, I believe, for the Baltimore Ravens, a great NFL player. Uh, and so it was a great feel-good story. Sandrick Bullock played the lead part, I believe, won an Oscar yes. for a portrayal there of the mother in that whole situation. Uh, Michael Orr has now sued that family for saying that, hey, look, you you said you were going to adopt me. You never adopted me. Instead, it was a conservatorship, a guardianship, mm-hmm. and you owe me all this money. You're just trying to steal and profit off of my name. And I want what's what's due and owe, owed to me. Well, it came yep. out this week. Oh, let me back up. Chris, you and I talked about this when this first came out, that I was, we didn't. I was curious. I was troubled by the fact that this lawsuit is even going forward because – there was a um, the statute of limitations surely had to run. I mean, he's saying the Blindside movie was made like back in what 2008, 2011, yeah. a long time ago. Any statute of limitations would have run. Michael Orr even wrote a book saying he knew that about the guardianship way back when. So this wasn't like new news to him. So mm-hmm. I was very concerned or troubled by the fact that the court even would allow this to get out of the starting blocks because of the statute of limitations has right. long since run. Well, I think I found out why this case has not been dismissed. So this last week it was reported that the Orr family, uh, uh, the uh, the Tui family, paid Michael Orr $138,000 as part of an agreed-upon deal to split the money uh, from this movie rights. So apparently, the because it's a movie, they con- continually have different yeah, money yeah, yeah. that's paid out residuals. over time. Right, residuals. Yep. And so a total of $138,000 was paid out to um, to Michael Orr. So, okay, I'm down. To me, this now makes sense why the statute might not have run, because if it's a continuing obligation, then there would have been some recent reporting that needed to have been done. And so that's why the court was at least entertaining some limited discovery in this case. So we should probably unpack that for for some of our viewers who don't understand the intricacies of statute limitations and how that works. Yes, he knew, right? He knew back in 2009, which is when you would think the clock would start. But technically, under the law and how statute limitations work, is because they're continually giving him cash. It's renewing the claim every time. So statute limitations kicks in when you find something out and then nothing is done, where right. nothing has been kicked in. But here, the court's going to entertain because they kept giving him payments, which I think the payments are like totaling like a you said one hundred thirty eight or one hundred forty grand. Correct of of what he of what Michael received that tolls essentially that keeps the clock alive because it's still an ongoing situation that's right. being perpetuated through these residuals so statute of limitations becomes kind of a moot point at least it's arguable uh because if it had just been hey he was doing oh money back in 2010 well the statute right. is long since run but right. if there was an agreement in 2010 that pays out today 
well, maybe what was paid back in 2010 might not be recoverable, but that would impact the total amount you're due today because the agreement Correct. is still enforceable. It's still right. an active agreement. So, yeah, I, I think that helps explain why um, the statute is yeah. not run and the court is, which I actually think is good for the, the um, Tui family. The Tui family, yeah. Also, I think the fact that, out. right, and that they've been giving him money right. is good for the Tui because this is the problem, right? The The issue, and we talked about it, was, he got, they got, they exploited him and they kept all the money. And the Tui family is like, well, hey guys, here's $138,000. We've, we've paid out out of residuals from this movie since 2009. Yes. And so, he received the same amount of money that we all received. Everyone received their equal share. Right. So, I mean, if you do the math fairly quickly, which I can't do right. Uh, Blindside came out in 2009. So that was 14 years ago ish. Yes. So I he's like got the ish ish 14 years ago ish so he's gotten ten thousand dollars a year in residuals since the movies come out all right they uh, will continue to watch that case again if i were to do a prediction i think that case is going to be dismissed uh mm -hmm. eventually because i just don't think there's any um uh, merit to it but i agree hey you know i should reserve judgment until we hear all the facts something Judge that not. they are not doing there in the Big Ten with the Michigan cheating scandal. <laughs> Chris, I am now two for two with my oh. transitions. But uh, any moment now, we are expecting a ruling from the Big Ten as to whether or not Michigan's coach, Jim Harbaugh, should be disciplined for their sign-stealing uh, saga. I don't know, is it a sign gate? Is there is there a gate no. been applied yet to this, this situation? Look, they haven't applied that to the Astros yet. So I'm pretty sure that uh, Harbaugh over here isn't going to get sign gate, but we got to we got to come up with something fun though. Gotta, something good. Something you, you're fun. my man right. for coming up with fun titles. I got to come up with the quick, the quick, the quick. All quips. right. Well, while you are thinking of that, let me just quickly unpack what's going mm -hmm. on here. So it was alleged, uh, and I think fairly well proven that one of the coaches at Michigan, and I believe his name was Stallions, not Rocky Balboa, the Italian Stallion, different. His last name was Stallion. He um, bought tickets to 12 of 13 Big Ten schools and purchased tickets to more than 35 games at 17 stadiums over the past three years. My first thought was 12 of the 13. So apparently they did not view Nebraska as that big of a, a risk. No <laughs> need to buy tickets to the Nebraska game because How we got they? that game handled. The level of disrespect is unimaginable. <laughs> the second thought I had about this was, okay, you go to all these different, this almost, Chris, is evidence to me that Jim Harbaugh was not a part of this situation. Ooh. Because if Good this job. was even thought about and organized in any fashion, are you really going to say, hey, yeah, and when you go to buy these tickets at this university, go ahead and submit your receipts and you'll get reimbursed. Why would he buy them in his name? If this, if you're going to plan out this kind of deceit, is it that hard to go and just buy a ticket from someone on the street, a scalper, and get it in that way? So there's no, you know, paper trail showing your illicit illegal activities. To right. me, that's evidence this was not planned out. Well, and I'm sorry. This is my ignorance coming in. You bought tickets. You used binoculars or some sort of technology to steal plays. Yes, um, that's the allegation. Right. Um, I. It's hard for me, and, and this is the same thing with the Astros, it's hard for me to understand, like, do better about your signs. Like, at the end of the day, right, every, every NFL court, every NFL, right, 
coach goes up and does this, right? We're going to go 1105, 1105, break, ready, go. Right? Every single one does that. And and maybe it's just me. Maybe maybe it's me. If you are dumb enough to allow the 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 Connor Stallions of the world to be able to come into your like one if I if I buy a ticket legitimately for a game and I go to the game and I and I pay my entire time with my binoculars which were allowed in at the gate to steal signs from the opposing side, bro, you guys got a security breach you need to have a discussion about. I don't I just I don't understand like I and and this is I just don't get the importance of this case. I yeah, don't that, I do I think don't, I don't get it. Lil, I do think that if you did know the other team's um, signs, it would be a competitive mm-hmm. advantage for you. Uh, clearly, if if you knew that Tyreek Hill was going to run a slant pattern, so right. you would devise your defense to to protect against right. that slant pattern. That's a huge a- advantage, but. That's also part of what they do. They change right. up their like, signs on a regular basis. If you ever, it's almost comical when you see these college teams on the sidelines. They have three different, you know, postcards, and they're all dancing around, moving, and it's actually kind of funny. The clip art that's used on these signs, they do right. it just. Why are they? Are they trying to deceive their own quarterback? Right. No, they know the other side well, is trying to steal their signs, so they intentionally change things up on a regular basis just to avoid that, and so. Yeah, also, I'm, like you, okay, Tyreek's gonna run a slap pattern. Okay, assume Tyreek's gonna run a slant pattern every every defense, every time. Or like, look, if you have one good player, Brock Purdy is gonna hand off to CMC. Brock Purdy's gonna hand off to Debo Sweeney. Like Patrick Mahomes is gonna throw to Jason Kelsey. If you just sat two linebackers on Jason Kelsey the entire game, does that give you a competitive edge? Yeah, you're nullifying one of the best weapons on the team. Right. But right. and you don't have to like steal signs to know that Patrick Mahomes is going to be looking for Travis Kelsey. Right. It, it, I do think it is a competitive advantage if you did know the other team's plays. That being said, yeah. they're, they're they're changing things up. Uh, my my next thought here is I I worry. Chris about this rush to judgment here. I mean, it's almost as if the other big 10 teams, what well, there's probably 13 of them, which makes no yeah. sense why there's 13 other teams in the big 10, but whatever, it's supposed mm-hmm. to be 10, but I guess apparently yeah. the other four are crappy. Here only, we are though. Only 10 of them are actually good. Right. Here um, we are. <laughs> that's true. 10, and then we have the small four. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I got myself off track now on what I was trying to say in that regard, but, um, <laughs> Do you have any idea what I was trying to say? I think you're trying to get out there is that, yeah, that's a competitive edge on the field, but this is part of the game. Like deciphering codes and patterns, that's part of the game. Yeah, yeah. Here's what I'm going to Thank you for bringing me uh, back to my uh, starting point there. And that is that they they ratted – Michigan now they want Michigan to have to be knocked down. They are the competitors, the rivals of Michigan. Ohio right. State is going to play a huge game here in a couple of weeks. The winner is going to advance to the CFP mm-hmm. and the loser is going to probably go home. And they, they hate each other. And so they want blood and they want blood now. Chris, right. when you have that environment, that's not a good environment for making a proper adjudicative proceeding right. or determination that's going to create precedent and it's going to be a fair mm-hmm. application of the law. 
And I don't like this rush to judgment against Michigan. There's so many things I want to know. For example, did Jim Harbaugh actually know about this? Was he a part of this? Was this a coordinated effort? Or was it just one staff member going out and trying to say signs saying, hey, Jim, I think they're going to run a slant pattern here. Okay, all right, whatever. Just shut up and go mind your own business. I'm trying to coach the game. I mean, those kind of things make a difference. If, if this was a, a team-orchestrated event, or is it just one coach going rogue? And so when you rush to judgment like this, because I, I guarantee you, Chris, I have not seen Michigan's response. Right. I've heard about it. I guarantee you it does not say, yes, Jim, Har Jim Harbaugh planned this out. And we had team meetings every Thursday where we discussed this. That was not an admission. They said... And we have no idea what was going on. And, so and so it, what? If that's like, the case, then why are you going to punish them? I mean, wouldn't you want to know that information before you give a proper punishment? So why the rush to judgment? Also, why judgment at all? Look, I'm a I'm a defensive coach. My name is you know I my name is Stallion. I'm a defensive coach. I need to figure out a way to make sure that my Michigan Wolverines are going to be in the top of the CFP. Let me think about what can I do. Let, let me go study game tape, right? What would be the difference, right? What Explain to me the difference. Well, the if difference I, if I there. Know, if I would have gone and I would have went and got game tape from ABC on a college football game, and I used the technology that I had and just zoomed in on the coach every single time and watched what they did. Because they don't record the coach, uh, the people doing the signs. So if you just watch game film, you would not see the signs being administered. Not necessarily. Maybe there might be some passing you know, shots of them. Right. But you would not get that every single shot. You actually have to be there in the stadium. Okay. Or if someone that you put there in the stadium to watch it to get those signs. Mm. And the thought is, is these are colleges. They, these college Do you have players, a right to privacy? They're not pros that play, you know, eight hours a day, you know, five days a week. Uh -huh. it's, they're, they're in college. So they're students first. I know that's a joke, but whatever. But not the coaches. <laughs> Not the coaches. Not the coaches. The coaches can, can come up with game plans on how to put right. forth those signs. And, do you, and do you have a right to privacy in a football stadium? Uh, absolutely not. Do you have a right to privacy standing on the side? You are sitting in each other's laps. Yeah, you're on top of one another. Right. Right. If you are, as a, look, I am full on like sign stealing. Do it. Right. If you are dumb enough, right. If you are, if, if you are, and I shouldn't say dumb enough. You are in an observable place. I bought a ticket. I am legal. I am in a legally operative position. I didn't sneak into your field. I didn't sneak into your locker room. I didn't do anything. I showed up at the field. I want to know what the illegal technology was that he used to steal the signs, right? What What's the illegal technology here? If it's binoculars, NCAA, you're reaching. You're reaching. Right. But if it's like a 4K camera that was like on a pen that he had to like miss like dude you are calling plays at a public football game that anybody with 50 bucks can get into or if you're going to a nebraska game i hear it's three dollars right to me i think this right. is a hot wind in the media for some reason right. it's just it's a fun story to cover and they won right. blood and i, I kind of agree with your sentiment that it's just not that big of a deal here if it is a big deal, well, we're going to need to know a lot more facts that we don't already know about how Jim Harbaugh planned this out, how right. they orchestrated, how they recorded, all those kind of things. We don't know any of that information right now. And so I don't think we know enough. And this is all being um, propelled by the, the, the rivals of Michigan. And now, oh, by sure. the way. I can't Ohio. stand Michigan. I, I want oh, yeah. them to no, go no. down. So that being said, I'm not a Michigan fan or supporter, but I do think they should just 
the Big Ten should, should uh, chill out here and right. make a decision over the summer. And it's not – I think it would be different if it was real-time stealing, right? If I'm sitting on the sideline or I'm sitting in the stand and Michigan's playing OSU or Michigan's playing the Ohio State, right, and I'm, I've got my earpiece in and I'm, and I'm you know, at an angle where I can see the defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, or I'm in the booth and I'm calling down to Harbaugh on the sideline saying, oh, they just, they're going to do a blah, 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 adjust accordingly. I think that's very different, which is what the Astros did, versus I went to 30 games and did opposition research. Yes. Let's pause on that for just a minute. They said 17 games. Right. Okay. Chris, it's not even possible to know someone's signs in 17 total games for the other 14 teams. Right. Even if, if you went to just one other game, you won't know their signs because right. they probably change it up from week to week to week. Right. I mean, yeah, there's no guarantee that that week you're going to see the signs that they use for your, they probably have a multiple system of changing mm -hmm. things out. You can't know that in one game for watching one team. And good point, Chris. Yeah. Why is it that sometimes you actually make good points? Because I'm a smart man, Joel. I'm a smart. But and also, how look, you and I, we've watched football our entire lives. We've we've paid attention. How like so let's just say like you're doing the sign, right? You're you're tapping the bill and the nose and you're you're doing this guy. How do you know what that is? Right. Yeah. And how do you know that you're running the same defense against that offensive play? So you're like, okay, so he's doing the hat tap and he's tapping the nose and it's going to the chin and then back to the nose and then back to the chin and then it's like across the body and then he's doing the ear to the nose, ear to the nose, ear to the nose. Do you do it three times or four times? If it's four times, then it's a pass play. If it's three times, it's a screen run. Like, mm, I'm not there. I am no. not there with this. No, I'm getting there. I am I am getting there that this is not that big of a deal. This is just right. media driven, and that's why the big team that wants to make a quick decision. I say no. Just chill yeah. your heels out here. I just relax. And, right. and this summer, get all the facts. And then make and maybe when there's not this um this this shark, you know, sensing blood in the water kind of mentality that we have going on right now, maybe you can make a better thoughtful decision. Speaking of that. thoughtful decisions, Donald Trump testified this last week during his <laughs> civil trial. Thoughtful. Mm. Is it if, what else do you think? When you think of a thoughtful, deliberative man who likes to make decisions that are well thought out and planned. Who else you think of than Donald J. Trump? Well, obviously, he gave obviously. testimony this last week, and it it lived up to its billing. It was very entertaining. This is one of the true atrocities in our lifetime that these aren't being televised. I think this is probably one of the few courtroom TV series that I'd, mm -hmm. I'd watch that one. I would take time out of what I'm doing to watch Donald Trump on the stand, under oath, answer questions. That would have been a great three hours oh of, um, of TV. By the way, Chris, did you, did you just hear what I said? Three hours. I learned right. that in researching his testimony that he was on the stand for three hours. Does that surprise you? If I had Donald Trump on the stand, I'm asking Days. him questions for three weeks. Days, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Three hours? That's it? Yeah, but also, like, there's only so much narcissism, narcissism and, like, trying to get a five-year-old to sit still that I'm willing to put up with. Like, also, and this Trump's lawyers probably won the day on this one. The least amount of time you have Trump on the stand, the better. I get right. that. I but I can almost see the other side asking a question. Normally, but you have to stay in scope. 
Normally, you when you're the other the side, point. you you yeah. you want to uh, ask very leading questions, right? Because yes. you want to lead this way. Not with Trump. I think I just want to ask a general question, kick back, grab some popcorn, say, let's let Trump go at it and let him bury himself over the next, you know, 15 minute diatribe. Oh and that's, gosh. I think him? that would be my strategy if I was the, um, the, the other side on the oh. cross-examining which, attorney, which they did for the most part, right? They asked him a question about the value, you know, who did the valuation process? And then he goes nuts. And then him and the judge are getting into it about whether or not, and the, the, the attorney's just like, hanging out like are we are we gonna get somewhere like man, i was reading some of the transcripts and i don't it i think it's a slam dunk case i think trump did all these things ivanka's throwing him under the bus which is kind of fun from her testimony if you've read that now but why like, do you say it's a slam dunk i think it's a slam dunk for the opposite reason i think his testimony this week Slams the door shut that this is not fraud at all. Zero fraud going on. So, but I want to hear your statement as to why this is a slam dunk the other direction. Because that's all he talks about is how he specific, like he, he constantly runs the point that he specifically undervalued his properties. They're worth so much more. My brand's worth so much more. Overvaluing and undervaluing isn't the issue. It's inflating or deflating assets for fraud. So if you're right if you for know, fraud, what does fraud mean? intentional misrepresentation of the value of the asset. And and I'm hoping you rely on it to make yes. some decision. I, I'm, I'm lying right. to you so you will make some decision that's fraud. Right. I'm, I'm inducing right. you to make a, an action. Here, right. I think it's very clear based upon his testimony and also based upon my own experience of trying to get loans that in these situations, mm -hmm. they're going to do their own due diligence. I mean, Trump has, I thought the most powerful part of his testimony this week was when he talked about the disclaimer. I think this is, this disclaimer is huge. I think the disclaimer is dispositive. So Trump testified that he had no qualms about how his financial statements turned out and said that if anything, they undervalued some of his properties. And he said that the disclaimer clause was very, very powerful. And, and this is why he said the disclaimer instructed banks and others do your own due diligence, do your own work, do your own study. Don't take anything from the statement for granted. This, the, the disclaimer also said that the financial yeah, statements were not audited by outside accountants. And so Trump mentioned the disclaimer more than a dozen times at one point, even irking the judge who said, look, I don't want to hear about this disclaimer. And uh, he goes, I already, uh, and the judge said, we're not going to hear about the disclaimer clause. Uh, if you want to know about the disclaimer clause, read my opinion again, or for the first time, perhaps, to which Trump said, yeah, well, you are wrong on the opinion. Yes, the judge is wrong. No, if, the judge is not. No, no. In this no. situation, Trump is saying, look, these are just our own assessments and statements. You do your own due diligence, and then you make your decision. When you present those statements, you are saying this is a true and correct accounting of what you are doing. You are. No, that's different. You, you changed no, it. No, no, no. I'm not accounting changing Accounting of how much money we make is one thing. What are our bank accounts? We have how much money in cash? It's That's different than the value because the value is subjective. You, you are, as Donald Trump, you are presenting that this is a true and correct valuation of your accounts, no. of both your bank accounts and your property. You are saying this is what I am worth, and you are presenting that to the bank, and the bank can do due diligence. I sit in my new job and my in-house counsel job, constantly looking at these valuation forms. This is what I see all the time because a big part of my in-house job, the job that I work now is doing mortgage loans. Right. So 
when you present that that package to me, you are inducing me to enter into a contract with you. That's that is what you're trying to do. You are present. This is the facts that you are presenting. If I find different facts, we can go back and have negotiations. If I do nothing, and there's there is a disclaimer clause in everything. If that is fraudulent, what you presented to me, and I detrimentally relied on it or relied on it, period, and it turns out to be fact, that's a factual misrepresentation that is fraud. So I would and think it'd be one that's thing. That's what Donald Trump did. I would think it'd be one thing if he lied about his bank statements. They look, this is how much cash we have on hand. $400,000, $300,000, however much cash you have on hand. What is What are your bank account statements? If he lied about that, that's one thing. But when you tell someone, oh, I think this is what my property is worth, and I'm on the other side, I am saying, okay, okay, but if I'm going to loan you money, I need to do my, and that's actually relevant to me, I'm going to appraise that property myself. And so were the banks duped into uh, loaning this money to Donald Trump based upon his own personal valuations of these properties, I maintain the banks were not duped. They would have done the loan anyways. I don't, the problem with it is that we're talking like it's a house loan. This is hundreds of millions of dollars that Donald Trump fraudulently obtained from different organizations and then is acting like I did nothing wrong because you should have done your due diligence. No, Donald, you did everything wrong. You don't get, when you, when you get an appraisal, right? If an appraisal, if you, you know, the appraiser's on the hook, you have, hmm. I'm also not, thinking in my own personal situation. I recently but did you're a, not Donald Trump. No, Joel. I get that, but it's, it's similar because they no, asked it's me not. It's what not was the value of my personal assets. Like it is not the stuff in my house. All. Not similar at all. There's I don't know no, what the value is. But there's no way that you are similar to Donald Trump. And and this is this is the the greatest lie that Donald can, Trump can, has can ever we mark that, but I want to mark that spot in this podcast. You are nowhere similar to Donald Trump. I actually like yeah, that. You are. And that's why we're friends. It's because you're nowhere similar to Donald Trump. None of us are. None of us are going to. It is not the same. Like, you can't internalize your personal experience and say, well, this is how it happened to me when I bought my house. You don't have hundreds of millions of dollars in assets that you're overinflating to get hundreds of millions of dollars in loans to go into failed businesses. So you are not taking advantage of the system. The reason why that the, the the root of the reason of why our housing market sucks and the reason why banking sucks and all these regulations have to happen and you and I get audited all the time is because of people like Donald Trump who perpetually abuse the system. They lie, they cheat, they steal, and they get no repercussions from it, and we end up paying for it. Donald Trump factually misrepresented the value of his thing, and he said it hundreds of thousands of times. Just because he undervalued it doesn't mean that it's any less fraudulent than if he overvalued it. And he's trying to play on our like sense of, oh, well, you undervalued it, so you were really the one taking a loss. It isn't that way because of how complex business works. Well, but it's not fraud if you undervalue your yes, property. Yes, it is. No, it is you're, still if fraud. If I'm loaning you money and I undervalue my property, that's there's no inducement there. You still yes, loan. In fact, you're more, you're less likely to loan me money if I undervalue my property. It is still fraud. No, it's 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 a, it's it a lie. Fraud. It's dishonest, but it's not fraud. It's fraud still has to have a, fraud. It is still fraud. Whether you undervalue or overvalue it, it is still fraud. You are materially misrepresenting the value of your property. No, I it get that, but there's fraud. no reliance part. The, the reliance is critical for fraud. I'm going to get you to act, right. make a decision based upon my representations. And, and that's if I undervalue, I'm not, there's no inducement there. Yes, there can still be inducement. 
not be just because it hasn't happened to you individually doesn't mean that there still can't be inducement. You can ask for you can undervalue your property to induce a bank to give you more money so that way you can then overinflate the value of your property, which is what he did with Mar-a-Lago. So, Chris, this is where I see this case coming down in my logical brain, which is probably right. not going to be how this judge rules on this case, but whatever. Um, my How I see this case coming down is did Donald Trump value his property in such a way as to fraudulently induce the banks to loan him money? Now, a critical mm -hmm. part of that would be the bank's testimony. Do you know, have the banks already testified? Because I haven't seen it. I haven't have seen the banks testified that says, yes, if we had known, we would not have loaned this money. Now, I'm we're still three days into the trial. I'm okay. sure they're going so to do that to me is going to be yeah. the dispositive testimony in real life, because if they you, you don't have if the banks say, oh, yeah, we would have loaned him the money anyways, we did our own due diligence. So I think it's going to lack in the fraudulent inducement part. But if they if they will come back and say, no, we would not have loaned him the money, our interest rates would have been higher in that point in time. Well, okay, now we got some damages here from, um, they, they, they did rely upon these false statements. At least arguably, Trump could still come back and say, well, no, I told you, you can't rely on these. This is our own personal whatever. The, he had the disclaimer, and so that was your mistake for thinking that I'm an honest man. Which, by the way, isn't that not a valid defense? For Trump to say, what idiot would actually rely on what I say? I don't know. I might buy that defense. All right. Hey, Chris, I, I need I need your help on this next one here. Yeah. I don't have a segue. <laughs> Supreme <laughs> Court update this week. I guess speaking uh. of Donald Trump and his claim to be a president, which we can talk about at some point in time, he appointed three justices to the United States Supreme Court, and they are back in session. And this last week, they dealt with this issue of the second amendment and so what happened in this case was there was this law uh that um barred someone who had a domestic violence restraining order if you have a domestic violence restraining order you cannot possess a gun and the issue is does that federal law violate your second amendment rights to possess guns and nope. this is an interesting case because just last year or the year before uh in 2022 decision in new york state rifle and pistol association v bruin the court said that in order for a restriction on guns to be constitutional it has to you have to find a an argument or support for that in the founding fathers era. In other words, this gun restriction would date back in substance or like or kind to what the what would have existed at the in 1789. And so I have well, a whole lot of problems with that because yeah. women were property back then. Right, Slaves right, right. Back then. And so the issue because is, well, we can't really apply that here. It doesn't right. make sense. So how is the court going to react now? to this this uh um a lot and chris do you have any thoughts before i go oh into it yeah so i also think that there's a there's a there's a, a fine line between the new york case which had to do with right gun rights having possessions of a gun having a lawful possession of a gun and the protection of domestic violence victims right again we we just touched on it right women were property back in the founders day so you can't really apply that there you can't you can't retroactively go back and say well women were property and slaves were property so therefore only uh property owning white males are protected under the second amendment we can all agree that that's an idiotic way to look at it um this most 
the highest, I guess, the highest percentage of female deaths come at the hands of their partners, right? Most murders against females come at the hand of their partners, statistically speaking. And I know statistics can be whatever you want to you want to do with it, but a allowing people who have a domestic violence restraining order against them to possess weapons. It's a greater risk to the victim of that, of that situation, which is overwhelmingly female to try to get away from their abusers. Domestic violence. It is domestic violence is a very close to home issue for me, very close to home issue for me and allowing people who have, gone through the court system and i'm not saying that the court system doesn't railroad people because it does we've we've had this discussion but in this specific situation to get a domestic violence temporary restraining order or domestic violence restraining order it's a heavy process to go to it's a heavy burden to carry and and to say that your gun rights are more important than that person's safety after you've gone through due process that's not that's well, well, That's I agree with fair. you on 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 uh, the substance of what you are are saying. Um, but I, so I, my take on it is this: this is an example of where exceptions should not make the rule. And here's what I mean: I think you just kind of touched on it. What is the general rule here? The general rule here is that you have domestic abuse situations. In those mm -hmm. situations, it would be a lot better for everyone involved if this person did not have a gun. Now, let's just take a side for a second. The, the mechanics of how you're going to take a gun away from that person. But let's just remove that, all right? The issue is it would be much better for all involved if that person did not have a gun in that situation. That's the rule. And that's why I think, and most experts agree, that mm -hmm. this Supreme Court is going to uphold this federal law they that better. bans guns to be held by um, uh, people who are subject to domestic violence restraining It orders. is such a narrow, like, group of people. Right. It's not like it's banning guns for anybody who's had any crime, any criminal record whatsoever, you know, shoplifting or whatever. It is very narrow. It is right. incredibly narrow. And that I think that's kind of the point of the Supreme Court, too, is they're not making a broad sword type of situation where they're just like swinging the law around to anybody that it can touch. This is a narrow field. Now, that being said, I do want to go back to my my opening statement, which is exceptions should not make the rule. So what are those exceptions that people are going to bring out there? Well, the exceptions will be, and I actually had a personal situation involving a friend of mine slash kind of a client who had a restraining order placed upon him when the female went to court and just blatantly lied. Now, later mm -hmm. came out that the female blatantly lied, but nonetheless, courts just will routinely give out restraining orders when someone comes in and says, I need a restraining order. I've heard from divorce attorneys. They say, yes, that actually is a, a litigation strategy. We'll go there and seek a restraining order. We can go back to the whole uh, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard, where she hired, you know, makeup team, uh, you know, and uh, went there to, to file for a restraining order and called the paparazzi and there, there was a lot of yeah. suspect issues there with the issuance of that restraining order which actually wasn't even administered in that case um you so, literally just said that we shouldn't have the exception be the rule and then you bring in all of these exceptions to defeat the rule no no that's what i'm saying i think even though there are those exceptions the rule just needs to stand okay. because the rule yeah. is good. So don't allow for these exceptions. Yeah. That, oh, in that, that's a bad yes. situation. If someone lied to get a TRO, yes, in that case, I get it. That's bad. Wham, wham. Still, <laughs> overall, for society's purposes, it's better to have a rule that says if you have a, a restraining order in a domestic situation, 
that they don't have guns. That just mm-hmm. made so don't let the exceptions swallow you know the rule. You know what else point. is going to be a problem here? And this is, I 100% I'm going to say that this is not the opinion of Joel or the comedian of law and just Chris Marone. Do you know what the biggest group of offenders for domestic violence are? No. Police officers. Interesting. 58% of police officers have been accused of domestic violence um, in a 2022 Gallup poll where they've, they've anonymously um, polled and worked with different police agencies across this land. Most, so, so it, that, that brings up then my next issue then as to, and we, I, I, I know we can't uh, answer right, this question, but at least we can toss it out there. Right. How would you do this? I, I know you can have a federal law so that if someone doesn't just voluntarily give up their gun, uh, who, when a TRO has been issued against them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but how would you take that gun away from that person? Would the cops just simply say, hey, a TRO has now been issued against you. We know you have a registered firearm. Turn it over. Yeah. I mean, usually the it's usually the sheriff's office that serves the TRO, right? I'm not going to pick, um, you know, Joel's speedy service to be the one that serves my paperwork TRO on my partner that has been violent towards me. I'm going to have the sheriff do it. Most courts have a sheriff or a bailiff okay. go out and deliver the... And at the same time, they can ask, do you have any guns in the house? If you have any guns, you need to turn them over at X point. Um, and the court will hold it, it, the court holds the guns in the evidence area until such time where it's been adjudicated and you can have your guns back. And they, so, so it would be the whoever serves right. you with the, uh, the TRO would be the mm-hmm. one taking your, your gun from you at that point in time. Also, and this is from my personal experience, most domestic violence most domestic abusers don't have guns. So then how would it happen in the case of it were a cop, uh, would right. they cop and have to turn over their gun or would they be, That's they just the had a gun when they did their job or would they be fired they, if a TRO is actually issued against the cop? Do you want perfect world or real world? For real world. Real world. I have no, Cause I have no idea the answer to that question. They don't get the, they don't get the TRO sustained. Okay. The real world. They don't get their TRO sustained. Perfect world. They'd be fired. Okay, I got you. So that, that would not actually come up in a, right. in a legal situation because the TRO right. would not be issued in the also, in right. the first place. In in our country, crimes of domestic abuse, rape, incest, things like that go underreported because we're still trying to do rape kits from the 1980s, and we and we feel sometimes that our abuser um, is in a position of power. That's part of domestic abuse, right? Is narcissism and putting them in a position of power to where they feel they can't go to the police because they won't be believed. I just, and I, that's I, all I, underlying. That's underlying. I, that isn't what the court's addressing. And I know it's not, but domestic violence is a huge issue in this country and it's many faceted, multifaceted. And, and I know I'm a conservative and I know you and I are kind of like weird. We're schizophrenic when it comes to this issue because right. I am a second amendment believer, but I don't have any mm-hmm. guns. So I don't even know why I'm a second <laughs> amendment believer, but I have guns. I, yeah. I'm, I'm an anti second amendment guy and I have guns. <laughs> I know I, I get that irony that's going on here. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we have to have so many guns out there. Here's a story this last week. My son is, was driving his car and, mm-hmm. uh, and someone, um, uh, you know, Basically, my son passed my son, and as he's okay. passing my son in a just a, a two lane road, I, I say it's a two lane road again. Chris, I don't know. Does that mean there's 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 one, one lane going one direction, way. one lane going the other direction? Right? Yep. Is that a two lane mm-hmm. or a one lane road? That's a two lane road. Two lane road. Okay. This car right. is passing my son, takes his car, rams it into my son's car, knocks him off the street. Is so ticked off. My son's 
ticked off, right? Like, what right, are you right, doing? Right, right. So he gets out of his car. The other guy gets out of his car, runs over to my son. My son is between his car door and his car and he just pushes my the car door into my son. I mean, it's an assault and battery right then and there. Obviously, 100%. percent. Yeah. My, only, my only thought is when I heard this story from my son, thank God there wasn't a gun involved. Because that situation could have escalated pretty quickly into a horrible situation. And so I am just very glad that neither side had a gun in that situation. Yeah. We, we were in church a few weeks ago, and I know I don't talk about church often. We were in church a few weeks ago, and we were talking about how do we influence people um, to do the things that we would like to see them do. And, and most of it was, was centered around fatherhood. Um, and one of the guys jokingly said, you know, the ultimate peacemaker in my home is a Colt 45. And we kind of giggled because we know the guy, but right, a right. Colt 45 is a peacemaker. That's the, that's the name of the gun. And one of the guys leaned over and he said, you know, you're right. Intimidation is one way to, to ensure peace. He's like, but the other way is just to love thy neighbor. Right. And that was the, that was the path that, that certain religious figures chose was to love the neighbor rather than try to intimidate them through force. We as Americans have lost that. We don't, we don't want to love our, we don't want to love our neighbor anymore. We just want you to do what I want you to do. Yes. And I'm going to do that by force. So I, I told my son, while I want you to be right, I don't want you to be dead right. Yes. Let, let, let's learn some de-escalation skills here. In that right. situation, how can we de-escalate de things, right? And just get mm -hmm. calmness back to the, the scenario. Right. Uh, and so you're right. It's, um, we, we need to learn to be peacemakers. Right. Yep. If look for ways that we can, I believe that's in the, in the Bible at some point in time. I can't it is quote your scripture much. and verse, but it, it's right. there Plus somewhere. Peacemakers. Come there on. It's the Beatitudes. Could I say, I don't know where it is when it's a Beatitude. I just, that's just shameful. I'm like, I got to delete that from the podcast. How is the liberal going to school the conservative on what the Beatitudes are? And I memorized the Beatitudes several times in my life. Mm -hmm. I should have known that. Mm -hmm. Hey, I do believe it is a Beatitude to say, blessed are those who watch football and so it is time mm -hmm. now for our courtroom quarterback segment yes let's go my transitions are getting weaker as the podcast goes on but hey chris a couple things i wanted to touch base on here because this is very important to me we are now mm -hmm. midway through the nfl season it is time that we come up with a comedian of law Top five teams. We, we, we should be All doing right. a ranking and our teams going up or are they going down? Uh, I have my list of top five teams. I don't know if you have a list. Do you want me to just go over my list and you pick yeah. them apart or, or how do you want to do, do this? It. Let's do it. I have okay. a couple of thoughts. Okay. So number five on my list is Cincinnati. Now, by the way, let's define this list. When we come up with the top five list of NFL teams, I am saying right now, who are the scariest teams? I don't want to face them this week. I'm not talking about okay. in the Super Bowl. Who might win the Super Bowl? I'm talking who do I not want to face this Sunday on the gridiron? And the number okay. five team is Cincinnati. They are scary right now. Joe Burrow is scary good. They are clicking on all cylinders here. 
finally. He might be the dark horse or I don't know. The, uh, the, the, what do you call the horse? He's like just making the turn. You can tell he has all the energy and he's going to, he's going to make up that ground and win that race. Uh, that's Cincinnati. They are turning that corner and they are looking extremely strong. I don't want to face Cincinnati. Cincinnati. All right. I can, I can buy into that. Okay. By the way, my first team that I left off my list was Detroit. And I don't know why. I just have a hard time putting Detroit in the top five. I Maybe I need to get over that. Uh, I know Detroit has never made it to the Super Bowl, so the, obviously they never won a Super Bowl. I'm not even sure they've ever even made it to a, an NFL championship game they haven't. Uh, before the Super Bowl. But nope. you know what? They can make cars up there in Detroit, so you know, God bless them. They can make them. anything. They can do gonna, anything. I'm not putting them in my top five. All right. Okay. Number four. And this might surprise you. Jacksonville. Chris, I looked it up. The last 15 games that Jacksonville has played, they've only lost to two teams. They are 12 yes. and three over those last yes. 15 games. Two of those losses were against Kansas City, who, by the way, won the Super Bowl during that stretch. So mm -hmm. the Texans are on a roll. Their other loss was to the Texans. That was in week three of this year. Yeah. Maybe that's the they got surprised by their fascinating rookie quarterback. My point is Jacksonville is on a run. I can't deny how successful they have been over their last 15 games. So I have Jacksonville at number four. Okay. Any, qu actually, any qualms? What's no, that? because I'm actually picking. So this week, part of our picks is that Jacksonville's playing San Francisco, and I'm picking Jacksonville. There you go. Going I think, against your I home think, team. You're not invited back for Christmas. I whatever. Brock Purdy play better. But, Number three on no. my list, who is not again. This is not my Super Bowl list here because right. I will do not think this team is going to make it to the Super Bowl. But number three is the Baltimore Ravens. Here's why. This is during the. The, the the regular season and so their quarterback has not been injured yet he's still fairly healthy and they are a force to be reckoned with i believe okay. they have the best or second best record in the afc which means uh uh they're right there near the top they are scary during the regular season i don't even want to imagine tackling uh lamar jackson that has got to be a, a nightmare and so they're on a roll right now they are demolishing teams i have them at number three okay Number two, my Kansas City Chiefs. Now, hold Ooh. on. I know you're scoffing at that, but here's Ooh. the deal. Do you Ooh. realize as crappy as the Chiefs have played, as horrible as Patrick Mahomes has looked, as dysfunctional as our offense is, oh, yeah, by the way, we still hold. If the playoffs were to start today, we'd have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. That's how ridiculous expectations have gotten regarding the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. We are in the number one slot, and everyone's talking about what's happened to the Chiefs. Why are they so horrible? Okay. All right. I mean, I'm surprised you didn't put them at number one. I thought your bias was going to come out, but this is a Joel that I like. I, oh. I like the self-actualization. Let's do this. There you go. And number one, Philadelphia. They, oh, they, are, okay. they are looking strong. Whew. They're playing well. Uh, they, they have an incredible quarterback who, uh, you mm -hmm. know, uh, uh, Jalen Hurts. Uh, I, they're, they're making him less of a runner, which is – you need Good. to do if you want to win in the Super Bowl, you have to be a pass for have a pass first quarterback. He's just gonna get hit way too hard and be knocked mm -hmm. out. He has a receiver who is a game changing receiver. Uh, the Chiefs don't have that. The Chiefs have 
nine receivers and one who's yeah. over in Argentina right now trying to make out with Taylor Swift. His focus is just shot. It's gone. Uh, so the Philly, they actually have a number one receiver. They have a great running back as well in Swift. Uh, and so and they're oh, I got to put Philly cool number too. one. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a, I mean, good for you, Joel. That's a good right. list. I'm, any, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that with you. Any, any omissions there that you want to take me up, take me to task on? No, I was, I was going to say bills, but you know what? The bills just haven't been performing this season. And no. it, I mean, Barkley's in, like, it just, it just isn't there. This window for them is now closed. I hate to say yeah, it. I think their quarterback really, is amazing, but this window for that team is shut. You got to restart. You got to start over. You really do. I mean, and I, and I don't know, and I should have probably looked this up beforehand, but what's Josh Allen's contract looking like? Is he coming up? Is he coming up for free agency sometimes? No, they, 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 they extended him. He's, he's there for yeah. the long haul. He will retire a Buffalo fan. Buffalo they will Bill. love him forever. Like they do Jim Kelly. It'd be a That's great right. place to be a quarterback. Uh, Actually, but Josh Allen signed a six year contract extension in August of 2021. So, so he has 26, two so more years. Yeah. So next year he will become the highest paid quarterback in the land why that's yeah. just what you do i mean at come yeah. out at one point in time um what was uh daniel jones uh, one of the highest paid quarterbacks yeah. that's just oh. ridiculous how they do that he's God. gone there's only one quarterback out there who should be the highest paid and he plays for the kansas city chiefs and wears number 15. i, I like what clark hunt our owner said about uh, patrick mahomes new contract he says look Let's be real. We can't pay him what he's worth. We just cannot. He is. I mean, if, right. you, if you paid him what he's worth, you you have no one to throw to. It's not even a possibility. He, he's that good. Uh, and, yeah. and so um, when um, when Josh Allen redoes his contract, he will become the highest paid quarterback. I think that's a certain. All right. Chris, yeah, I, do we have that. time here to do, to do an MVP watch? Let's. Well, yeah. All right. We, I also have, have some ideas I want to throw out there for MVP discussion. One just I, I don't know where the MVP is going this year, but I, I decided to take a look at it, a close in-depth look, and a couple things I want to throw out there before we get into actual names. The MVP is a de facto quarterback award. Yes. Absolutely. Now, it's not automatic. If someone else is going to win the MVP though in some other position, they have to be stellar. They have to be just right. out of this world amazing. Like set the record for the most receiving yards in the right. history of the NFL or or rush for 2,500 yards. yards. Yeah. Something crazy like that. Which will never happen because you will never go to that same receiver or running back every single play. It's very difficult. Yes, it's very difficult right. to ever do that. And that's why it's a de facto quarterback award. And so well, and they have offensive player of the year. You have MVP and offensive player of the year. Quarterbacks only play offense. They do not. You, you, a quarterback cannot win Defensive Player of the Year. Right. It, it is weird how oftentimes, not always, but often, the quarterback will win the MVP and not be the best player on offense, <laughs> not win the offensive. I don't understand that. Other than the, the the people making the awards are saying, look, we recognize the MVP is always going to be the quarterback unless something strange happens, and mm -hmm. we want to recognize receivers and running backs as well. Of course, if you're a, if you're on the offensive line. Forget it. You're never winning the award. You're, you're, never. you're, you're useless out there. All right. Yeah. That being said, my number one MVP on my list right now is Tua. And I cannot pronounce Ooh. his last name. I uh, My son and I actually Tango Googled this last week. Tua Tango Vailoa. There you go. Uh, Tua. Uh, he, but 
his air on my list, he's number one, but the arrow is pointing down. And, and here's what I mean by that. When did a search this last week of the stats of the quarterbacks and two is right up there at the top. He has the most yardage. His QBR is in the top, I believe of three or four and same with his quarterback rating. Uh, and so he's, he is looking really strong, but that is a weakening team. They are Their arrow is pointed down. I don't think they're going to end the year strong. And so while he might be in the leading position right now, I think he's quickly going to, to fade. McCaffrey. I'm going to throw McCaffrey as an idea. What do you think about McCaffrey? Okay. You're really going to ask a Niners fan what he thinks about Christian McCaffrey? Well, I mean, okay, let, me, let me make it a little bit more pointed. He yeah. has some kind of record going on of most yep. consecutive weeks with a touchdown. Mm -hmm. If yes. he continues throughout the whole season, and let's say he sets some record, he breaks Emma, I think, believe Emma Smith has the record for most touchdowns by a running back. If McCaffrey breaks that, is he not now fair game? And he even missed a week no. this year, I believe, due to injuries. Yeah. Uh, if no. he were to break that record, should we not put McCaffrey in the MVP discussion? I totally think we should put McCaffrey in the MVP discussion. I think that, yeah, what he's doing is insanely is you know MVP worthy. Do I think he's a serious contender? No, not even a little bit because of how the NFL does things. I, I, I literally think that we're going to – and I guess this is my skepticism – when it comes to it, because MVP is a is a quarterback award at the end of the day. It's not even a de facto quarterback award. When was the last time a non-quarterback won MVP? I can look it up, but it's been a while. It's been, it's been at least 20 years. No, and no, so, it's been re more recent than that, but you'd be, we'd be surprised. Yeah. Well, I'm going to Google it right now. Yeah. yeah. So uh, while, while you're Googling it, uh, my thought is that McCaffrey, again, to, to, to prove your point of it, it is a quarterback Ooh, award. He actually acts, has to set the NFL record for most touchdowns ever to even be in a consideration, to be in the discussion of winning the MVP for a single year. That's how much of a quarterback award this is. Adrian Peterson won in 2012. There you go. He that is over last... my 10-year window. I sit corrected. No, no, well, I mean, barely. <laughs> but I think, like, look, I, I think Christian McCaffrey is – as a lock for offensive player of the year. Now, hold I on. I do want to point out Adrian Peterson. I don't know this for certain, but I'm almost guarantee you that year he, um, he, he rushed over, over 2000 yards, which was a huge deal for running backs mm -hmm. back then. It maybe yep. set the record for most yards ever. I don't know. But he came really yep. close that year. He said he breaking, he broke Eric Dickerson's record in 2012 when he rushed over 200 or 2,097 yards. So he broke the record and that gets you into the, the discussion right. of being an MVP. So, so CM, CMC could break the record and could definitely be in the discussion for MVP, but it's not going to go. It's, it's, I mean, it's going to look, look, they gave the award to Aaron Rodgers twice. Come on. I can't take this award seriously. <laughs> that's, that's probably the best thing that's been said today. Like, yeah, what more proof do you need? It doesn't really directly relate yeah. to postseason success than the fact that Aaron Rodgers has won it twice in the last five years. Yeah. And so I can't take it seriously. Okay. So Tyree Kill, I think, is very similar to what we just talked about with Adrian Peterson and also with um, McCaffrey. Uh, but there's another problem with Tyree Kill. So I looked it up. He's on pace to get about 2,000 yards receiving. And so that's close. And um, uh, that could be historical. It could be very memorable. But here's the problem. Hot on his heels is the receiver whose name escapes me. By the hope, by the time I get done with this, you'll know the person's name. The mm -hmm. receiver for Philadelphia. He has also over 1,000 yards receiving. 
And if two wide receivers are neck and neck for the most yards, they're going to undercut each other's vote. And mm-hmm. so I don't, I think Tyree kill, if he was the only receiver that was challenging the 2000 yard mark, that might be one thing, but if mm-hmm. it's two receivers challenging the 2000 yard mark now it becomes less of a thing and they split each other's votes. Right. And that it totally does. You can't have two people with similar stats going up for the award, even though all the quarterbacks have similar stats. Brown is his name. Brown there, the yep. Philadelphia receiver. Yes, it is. There you go. I, Look I, at you. Look, check able, out the big brain on Joel. Was able to figure it out by the end. All right, yeah. which leaves two other names here for the MVP watch, Mahomes and Joe Burrow. I mm-hmm. I looked up Joe Burrow's stats. Here's the problem with Joe Burrow. I know he's hot. Everyone's going to be talking about Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. and they are going to end the year on a flourish, and that could change things here. His stats are very paltry. I mean, if you look at the QBR and quarterback ratings, you have to go way down to double digits before you find his name. So I know his team is doing well, and he's the Mm -hmm. reason why his team is doing so well. But if your stats are that low, can they really put him as the MVP? Not at the moment, but they can as his stats really improve throughout the rest of the season. And everybody loves a good comeback story. There you go. So uh, which leaves Patrick Mahomes winning his third MVP. I don't want to say Patrick Mahomes is going to be even in the discussion because I don't feel like he's played that well, Mm -hmm. but he's in the top five. Uh, yeah, when it oh, comes sure. to QBR, I think he's number three with QBR. Right. Uh, he has a lot of touchdowns. His interceptions are a little bit too high, but if the right. chiefs end on a roll, like they usually do, I don't know. Mahomes might just be there. I'm going to throw in Purdy only because of this. If he, Sorry, bounces- we're having problems here with our technical. Right. Did you actually say Purdy? <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let me get there. Let me get there. Right. If he bounces back from these losses, Right. And he keeps putting up 30% or he keeps putting up 30 points and he keeps having a QB rating of 115, 116. It will be hard to keep him out of the conversation. Not go. saying he deserves it, not saying he should win it, but it would be difficult to keep him out of the conversation if he goes back to how he was performing before these three losses. All right. So, Purdy, I definitely think a bounce back story would be incredible. Um, and so we'll have to wait and see if he actually can do that. I think it's fair to say if San Fran does not win another game this year, which it looks like is a possibility, then, um, he's not going to win the award. Oh, Joel. (laughs) Wow. All right. Hey, real quickly here. I know we're running out of time. Let's go ahead and give our picks. So last week, uh, I was five and three. So I am now at 30 and 27 and two for the year. I am up 30 bucks. Hey, go spend your money wisely. Don't spend it all in one place. Maybe get a financial advisor. You did not have as good of a week, finished two and five, and now are 10 bucks in the hole for the year. You are 23, 24, and one. So it happens. uh, here, Here are my picks really quickly Cincinnati over the Texans. Why? They're on a roll, and just I got to ride that horse all the way in. The the Vikings plus three over the Saints. By the way, Chris. Someone told me that he actually listened to our podcast a week Ooh. late really? just to see how idiotic or smart we were with our picks. Yeah. Have you ever tried that? No, I just know. Listen that. to the end of our podcast the week after the games to see if what we said makes sense or do we just sound like yeah. bumbling idiots? Well, most of the time it's the latter. Right. The Vikings are, are given three mm-hmm. points here over the saints, the Vikings. I know their quarterback cousins is out for the year, but they had a backup last week. He did pretty well. I, I, I got to take the Vikings because I get plus three points. And I think they're, they have a good coaching staff there. The Steelers minus three and a half over the Packers. The Steelers have already turned the corner. Uh, by the way, the Steelers, I, I heard the stat this week. 
they are the only team. Their record is like six and two, something like that. Five, five and three. three. They have a very five good and record. And they actually are the only team with a winning record who has scored less points than their opponents. Or, or, or maybe they've outgained. They've been outgained by their opponents. So they regularly are not performing that well, but they keep on winning. And so um, I'm going to take the Steelers minus three and a half over the packs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quabble with you here. I got the 49ers over Jacksonville. I don't know why. I just have to think 49ers are going to turn the corner here. Maybe you think that the 49ers are done. Mm, I I don't know if the 49ers are done, but Jacksonville's tough right now. Right? Yeah. We were just talking about it. They're doing like, yeah, if it was the 49ers versus the Chargers or the 49ers doing somebody else, but it's the it's the 49ers with with Jacksonville. And I, I really feel that Jacksonville's gonna take them. But the 49ers have lost three straight games. They have to be ticked off. They've got to be dialed in. Their season is unraveling. This has got to be yeah. the week they show up. And so I'm really looking forward to watching that game. This next line, Chris, amazed me. When I saw this, I said, I got to pick this game. I don't know if you okay. picked it. The Giants. Oh, my gosh. 17-point underdogs. Yes. Wow. Yes. I don't get I'm, that. I'm taking them. I'm I taking have to. I have I'm to. Take- Look, I, I know that, that Daniel's out. I know he's out for the season. That's rough for them, but 17 points. So, Chris, here's what's going to happen, okay, with the Giants. Go. They are going to run the slowest offense imaginable. They are going to try to drain that clock out. Oh, for and sure. So I, 17 points? I see that being a spread that they can, they can cover. Oh, I don't God. know. Well, especially after watching the Cowboys play the Eagles. And the number of penalties that the Eagles gave to the Cowboys and the Cowboys couldn't convert, like at any point, the Cowboys should have beat the Eagles at least three times over, but they could not convert. And the Eagles were like giving away penalties if left, Giants, right, and center. If the Giants can't cover 17 points, then they just need to fire the coaching staff right now. I mean, right. They need, to, they need to relegate down to the XFL. This is still the NFL. You, you have right. NFL caliber players on your team. Figure out a game plan or or, or or just quit. Just just yeah. do everyone a service and just quit. Exactly. All right. Be done with it. Michigan oh, minus four over Penn State. Michigan has to be ticked off. Everyone Ooh. is saying they're cheaters. I think they're going to rally around their coach. They're going to rally yep. around each other, and they're going to absolutely throttle Penn State. So I'll take Michigan yeah. minus four. Kentucky plus eleven over Alabama. Kentucky is coached by a Stoops, a Stoops brother. They are known mm-hmm. for their defense. I think Kentucky is going to find a way to cover the spread against Alabama. KU is on a roll. Um, here's the problem with KU. I think Michigan State is looking at our coach uh, Lance Leopold to hire him, and so the KU is going to be giving him a huge fat contract mm-hmm. extension, making him the highest paid college coach because well he deserves it he turned ku into a powerhouse yeah, for uh, sure that, that's Absolutely. amazing right there so pay him the money i don't care give him the keys to the town of kansas city <laughs> because he deserves it but ku is going to cover this four point spread um yeah. oklahoma state i don't get this spread Ooh. i don't get the the michigan plus 17 i don't i don't get this one Oklahoma State is only favored by two and a half points over UCF. I don't get it. All right, all right. So I'm taking I'm taking Oklahoma State um, uh, minus the oh, two and a half. And finally, Nebraska over Maryland. Why? Because I'm going to go to that game this weekend. And yeah. uh, this this is it for the, the Nebraska. This is our season. We have five wins and four losses. 
Our last two games are not really winnable. This game is at home. This game is winnable. Uh, and so we're going up against Tua's brother. It. Let's do it. Nope, and we're doing it. Our entire season. Now, we have no offense, so we're not even going to put out an offense. We're just going to play defense the entire game. And I'm we, down. I still think we can cover that. Uh, we, we can cover the two points. I don't care about the two points. we got to win this game. So we're Nebraska plus two over Maryland. There you go. Winning Those are my it outright. Picks. Taking it down. All right. Mine. I got Colts over Pats. I am so happy to see the Pats be a trash organization again. It makes me, it just, ah, I love it. Colts got 1.5 over the Pats. Come on, 1.5. Let's do it. It's a straight up victory. There you go. I got Vikings plus three, right? Okay. Let's go. Josh Dobbs, the pastronaut. Let's we, do this. We agree on that one. Yep. I uh, got that must Lions. Be the star that one. Yep. Let's star that one. I got the Lions minus three over the Chargers. Okay. I'm feeling the Lions. You know how we do it. I took the Giants. Plus 17. We have to. Plus, she's only 17. Yeah. No, we're doing this. We're doing this. I got Bills minus 7.5 over the Broncos. That's scary. 7.5 points is a scary spread. I know, but I got to take it because let's ride. Like, at the end of the day. Like, let's do this. And then I take the Jags over the Niners because I am just hating life right now. Um, All right. but I, I, I feel, I feel, I it. think you're going to be okay. You're, you're going to lose that pick, but you're going to feel good in your heart right. that your team, uh, and your MVP favorite candidate won of the day, uh, over Jacksonville my favorite candidate, but he, he's in the discussions, which by if, the way, if, if he performs, he's in the discussions and this is going to be the, the, the turnaround week, right? It really here. is going to do it be. against Jacksonville. Are they right. playing this? Do you know if they're playing this in, in San Fran or in the, in Jacksonville. Um, hold on, let me check. Because I, it does make a difference because it's probably not used to the humidity out there on the East Coast, but they're playing there in um the. They're in playing Col in Jacksonville. Okay, well. They're in Jacksonville. I hope hopefully he can handle the heat out there. We'll see. We'll see. Home dog. They're home dogs. They're home underdogs. All right, hey Chris, have a go great week. Uh, we'll see you next week and um, go Big Red. Let's go. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five-star review. We need your love to help us continue highlighting the funnier side of the law. I want to give a special shout-out to our Vice President of Operations, Wendy Oster, without whom this entire operation would be a complete and utter mess. Sean Wynn and 15.5 Features for making me sound way better than I actually do. Brooke Bolin for our marketing efforts. And Ryan Kuhn and Paul Kuhn of Tribe Plus City Marketing for our technical and computer support. Mm -hmm.